Tandem Nomads, episode 37. I was, at the time, in a good job, uh, paid well, and, you know, going up the ladder quite quickly. So I would have probably stayed in that role because it was safe and it was secure. And Whereas when you're an expat partner, when you don't have that, like, I know it is a difficult ride sometimes, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, was, I had really difficult patches too, but you have this freedom to pursue things you never would have pursued if you'd been in a safe job that you didn't want to leave. So just try and focus on the positives and I think they get you through the tough days. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, where inspiring expat partners from around the world share with you how they turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. So are you following your partner abroad for his or her career, then Tandem Nomads is the place for you. Go to tandemnomads.com and sign up for the newsletter. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Amel Dregi, and I'm very excited to introduce you to Andrea Martins. Andrea, are you ready for the ride? Yes. Great. Andrea Martins comes from Australia. She gave up her head office government career to follow her husband abroad and lived for nearly 10 years, moving from Indonesia, Mexico, and Malaysia. Today, she is back to Australia. While relocating with her husband, she started her fascinating serial entrepreneurial journey. Andrea is actually the co-founder of the famous online platform that you must have heard of that's called expatwomen.com. Her website had such a great success that she managed to sell it with a six-figure deal. After this great achievement with expatwoman.com, who would have thought that Andrea would have issues finding a job once back home? This situation had led her to create another company called Story Resumes, an online service designed to help job seekers get uh, noticed with infographics and illustrated resumes. Andrea became, through the years, what she calls a startup addict and co-founded a third company called Green Socks, which is like an Uber service for lawn mowing. Wow, Andrea, this is like an amazing journey. <laughs> uh, I, I tried to summarize it and uh, let me know if there's anything that I missed. And I think we're going to have to go step by step to tell your story. But tell us about where are you at today? So today I'm working in a startup called Green Socks as my business partner. Green Socks is like an Uber for lawn mowing. So we wanted to try and make an Uber for all of the home services at once, but we received a lot of smart mentoring advice to say just focus on one niche. So we went through the list of what kind of home services we might like to tackle. We tried going down one path, but after a few hurdles, we decided we'll start with lawn mowing because it sounded like the easiest niche to start and learn what we were doing. So that's what we're working on right now. And we're part of an accelerator program here in Australia. So that means that you get some money put into your company. Uh, they take some equity. We have some really high profile people behind us and companies, and they've given us access to lots of networks and introductions, which has just been a godsend in terms of learning what we're doing and connecting with the right people to help the startup grow. Wow, this is amazing. I'm, I'm going to need to ask a lot of questions about your experience in c creating startups. But first, I'd like to know a bit more about your journey as an expat partner. And how did your journey start, actually? How did you get to move first time to Indonesia? And how did you make this decision to quit your job and go with your husband? 
Sure. So it started a few years before we went overseas. I was offered a job in head office in a government department in Canberra in Australia. So my boyfriend at the time, now husband, quit his job to follow me down to Canberra. And then three years later, he was offered a job in Jakarta, Indonesia. So it was my turn to leave my job and follow him. And I thought it would be like that, his turn, my turn, my turn, his turn. But uh, it ended up being then from Jakarta, we went to Mexico City for four years, then back to Australia, then over back to Malaysia and then to Sydney. And then now I live on the Sunshine Coast, which is about one hour north of Brisbane. So I live near the beach in Queensland, Australia, but it didn't didn't work out exactly how I, I thought it would in terms of us taking turns. It became um, my life as an expat par- partner for quite some time. But, you know, that's just part of being an expat partner. You never really know what's going to happen next. And even today, uh, who knows what will happen tomorrow. We're here living near the beach today and we could be back in a hustling, bustling big city tomorrow. I'm sure the listeners of this program totally understand what it's like to not know where you're going to be going next. Definitely. We've been talking a lot in this show how we are so used to say, who knows what's going to happen next. <laughs> exactly. So once you went to Indonesia, you said it was interesting when you said that you didn't expect to move a second time and follow a second and third time. So how did you end up giving up and doing it? I think once you're in the expat life, it, you, your eyes are opened a little bit in terms of the opportunities to move to different places. I think when we first made the decision from Australia to go and live in Indonesia for a while, I just assumed it would be a few years and we would come back because I didn't know anything else. And maybe it's good looking back that I didn't know what I know today because maybe I never would have gone in the first <laughs> place. <laughs> but uh, when we were in Jakarta, we... My husband was given the opportunity to go to Mexico after that and it would just coincided with the exact time when we were pregnant with our first child. So it made sense, well, I couldn't really work, so let's try again. Let's go to Mexico and see what that's like. Yeah, I guess that's the story of many women, right? Once they get a child, it's it's somehow an advantage and uh, an opportunity also to be able to be an expat partner and take care of the kids while traveling. Yes, Was it difficult? Well, there were parts that were really difficult. When I look back, I think of the really good memories. But, you know, I remember my husband went ahead of me to Mexico and I had stayed behind in Australia because I gave birth in Australia. So I remember traveling to Mexico by myself with a brand new baby. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't even have a baby carrier because my mum had convinced me that it was a waste of money. The baby would grow out of it. So as you can imagine, like I had one bag that was a nappy or diaper bag, one bag with everything else that I needed, a baby I was carrying. And I was trying to juggle all of that through, you know, from Sydney to, from Brisbane to Sydney, Sydney to LA, LA to Mexico so that in itself wasn't that easy you know and then showing up and then not having any family to help or not even having a helper for for quite some time and not speaking Spanish yes that was really hard but I don't want to say it was too hard because you know you get through it just like everyone listening probably has had the similar experiences um, in their own circumstances you just get through everything and you realize that you can get through things which I think is a really great thing you learn as an expat partner. So what helped helped you to to go through it what was for you the elements that helped you manage this this big transitional period of your life i think being really positive just trying to think of the positive Mm -hmm. uh very early on in mexico i 
met some other fantastic expat partners and just meeting up with them every week for, you know, play dates or mums meetup groups. They're really, really the support network. And the women that I met were expats from all over the world, many from America because America is so close to Mexico and Latin America for the same geographical reasons, but people from everywhere. But just meeting up with people every week to sort of have somebody to talk to was just a godsend. Yeah, definitely. I guess it is very important to try as soon as possible to meet with, with people and, and find like networking groups and societies, associations to get to integrate. Definitely. Yeah. And how did your entrepreneurial journey then? Because now you're telling me this story and I have a hard time imagining that suddenly you would become this serial entrepreneur who, <laughs> who creates and sells companies one after the other. How did it uh, start? <laughs> Well, it was in our final year in Mexico, their fourth, my, our fourth year. We didn't know where we were going to next. My husband had a few options on the table. So I started researching different countries uh, and what it would be like and, you know, where to live and schools and ex expat clubs. And what I found was that at the time there wasn't one central resource where you could find out all of this information and, like, springboard from that one platform. You had to do the research for every city like from scratch so the idea was to make a central resource site and bring all of the information there as a jumping board so if you wanted to move to a certain country you knew you could go in there and find the expat clubs the schools and the local expat websites because there are thousands of expat websites around the world and some of them are very very successful in the city or location that they're in but knowing about them before you're in that city is difficult so we were trying to just put everything into one site and also share stories from women that had moved and we had a blog directory at the time so women who were blogging in different countries could list and we would check their blog that they were a female and they were expat to make sure it was a quality directory and I think we had like two and a half thousand people that had registered and we checked every single one before we uh, approved for listing on the site so that became a huge resource as well so if you're moving to a certain city you could find a blogger there who read about their stories and contact them for help and even at the beginning before we even had that we had uh, about 200 women around the world that we'd reached out to and they volunteered to mentor people coming into their location so you could go to the site and you say okay, I'm moving to Paris and you could go and you could find some people who had volunteered in Paris to help anyone coming in with email questions and they gave their top tips for the city. And it was really, really a big resource site. Amazing, amazing. And so basically from what you're telling me, the, the website had the same core principles as right now, the website that's been sold and managed by another group of people. Um, so, But you founded the idea at the end of the day and they pretty much kept it and just developed it. Well, the person that bought my site then packaged it up with some other entities and later on sold it to what is now expatwoman.com. But they're two completely different um, entities and expatwoman.com is a hugely successful site but based mainly in the Middle East. But, yes, you're right now they've branched out to different parts around the world mm -hmm. and that's what our site was from the beginning. It was a, a site that had every city around the world and resources for as many cities as we could muster. Yeah. So let, let me just be clear for Nomad Nation, uh, expat, you created Expat Women, E-N at the end, plural. And today the, the website is Expat Women. I'm sorry if my accent is not allowed to make the difference. 
<laughs> yes, that's correct. So ours was womenen.com. And now if you visited that site, unfortunately the site is uh, not there. It just redirects to expatwoman.com because oh, yeah. that is the company that ended up buying it from the person that bought it from me. <laughs> yeah, I see. So I have, I have two questions here. Um, the first one is that you say we a lot of times. And the second is actually... Who's who's the other people and how did you get to meet them and how what did you have like an aha moment with this idea how did how did the idea really start did it just come out of the blue <laughs> the idea for expatwomen.com yeah uh, I I had the idea of putting something together as I mentioned to bring everything on one site and also sharing women's stories and I just started working on this idea and it sounded like a stupid idea at the time and my uh, American friend at the time li living in Mexico with me was Jill Longray and she called me up for coffee at Starbucks and I said sorry I've only got a few hours when the kids are at the little Spanish speaking school around the corner I really need to use this time on something else I'm just working on and she's like what are you working on I'm like I can't tell you right now so anyway next week uh jill calls me again okay coming to starbucks for coffee andrea and i'm like no i really i can't tell you i'm working on this she's like you have to tell me what you're working on <laughs> so i took a leap of faith and told her and i thought it sounded really stupid and to my utter surprise jill thought it was a really awesome idea and wanted to do it with me and that night sent me through like a proposed little business plan based on what i'd said and two days later she bought a new laptop specifically to work on it with me and we met at starbucks for coffee and that's how the idea came about amazing this is really amazing so what made it possible to reach such a success and, and want to get purchased what do you think is the secret of launching a website like this Oh, I don't know if there's any secret. <laughs> I was just trying to uh, to understand the elements for those who want to start their own business. It's not that easy. What are the things you think about when you start? Is it you just started with a computer and yes. and just find out how to design a website? Did you design yourself? Did you look for people who design websites? I guess at the time it was not as easy as now to just start a website, was it? That's right. Back then it wasn't common that everyone was on a WordPress site so and therefore you could manage it yourself. So we actually paid and contracted a Mexican web development company mm -hmm. and that cost, whilst it's cheaper than the States or Australia, it, it still cost a lot of money because it, it took months and months and months to put the site together because at the time of launch the site was like a thousand pages and we couldn't update that ourselves which was also something I highly recommend you never fall into the same trap that we did and back then it was a different time but every time we wanted to make any change at all we had to pay the web development company so we ended up after the development having somebody full-time in that company working directly for us and that person did all of the updates but it was difficult also because when the updates weren't done correctly and you had to back and forth emails can you please fix this can you please fix that whereas today If you have a WordPress site or something similar, you can update it in an instant yourself, which I highly, highly recommend. I would yeah. not go down the track of outsourcing it all and being dependent on somebody else to update my site ever again. That's a very good advice, yeah. What about partnering with people? I know in my case, for example, I've always been wondering, you know, how is the, how can you judge if, you, if a person is the right partner for you? 
Jill and I worked really well together. It's just unfortunate that her circumstances changed, so she had to step away from the site when it only launched for a year. So unfortunately, uh, her circumstances prevented us from continuing to work together, but we did work really well together, and I think it's just partnering with someone who's as dedicated and passionate in what you're doing as you are. Do you think it's instinct, the choice that we make with the people we work with and start ventures? Uh, you know, I think you just have to trust your own instincts, yes. You continued that until you until you came back to Australia with Expat Woman? Yes. So okay. we came back to Australia, repatriated once, then went back overseas, then came back again. But the second time we came back, I didn't think my husband's job would take us overseas again anytime soon. So mm -hmm. I decided to put Expat Women on a break and pursue other things and really it just sat there on a break the resource site was there but I stopped taking sponsorship because we were always supported by global um, sponsorship cups every year from companies like HSBC, Barclays, Server, Relocation, uh, Clements and more so I stopped taking sponsorship money and just left it there as a resource for people to use and then Uh, after that sometime I was getting some different offers to buy the site and the right offer came along and I sold it. So wow, Amazing. This is really great. Did you have any experience before in entrepreneurship or did you just learn on? on just learn. Wow. <laughs> learn. Learned as I went, just like I'm learning today. I don't think you know everything ever. There's always more that you can learn and everything on the internet and to do with technology changes every day so you have to keep up all the time it was quite surprised to realize that you did have issues finding a job when you came back to australia and when you sold your the, the website so can you take us to that time where you came yeah. back to australia yeah that was really interesting because what's what you said is exactly true the very first week i was back i saw something on a LinkedIn group I was in and I reached out and the next thing I knew within days I had an interview for a senior job at one of Australia's largest telecommunications companies and I was shocked because I thought I've been out of the country for so long, uh, I can't believe I have this interview so fast. So I went to the interview and I had the phone interview which went well, then I went to the in-person interview with the panel and I thought, That really went quite well, but afterwards the feedback I got was that I didn't get the job, and I quote, because you moved too fast and you would try to get too much done here. Wow. I, I couldn't believe that you wouldn't get a job for that reason. So uh, that really threw my head into a spin as to how can you not get a job if you think you're going to do really like well and try really hard and get stuff done. But it was different I suppose because you are used to moving really fast when you're running something for yourself and then being in a different corporate setting uh, I, I think it, they were just scared that I wouldn't stay because I was getting a lot done and might get some roadblocks because I, they, I, I then heard that the guy they had employed before me he didn't stay very long because he was also an entrepreneurial type who oh. moved really fast and got frustrated with their red tape. So I think they were looking for somebody who would be really patient with red tape. Mm. <laughs> so after that, after that happening so fast and my confidence was really high, I then really struggled to get interviews because, and I totally understand why, because I had worked as a recruiter at one stage in, when we were, I was in Indonesia. I hadn't had a proper job working for anybody else for such a long time that I, I'm sure that my resume wasn't even given more than one minute glance by recruiters because I'd been out of the workforce for so long and no one could really think out of the box 
to, as to, oh, well, that chick could do this and this. So that's when I thought, you know what? I'm going to tell my story in a different way. And I outsourced my story. Like I, I came up with 10 slides, one sentence per slide about my story. And I found somebody on Elance to actually illustrate each slide to tell the story and make it visual and interesting. And then the strangest thing happened after that when I started putting in for jobs. People kept calling me. <laughs> <laughs> and and the weirdest thing is like literally every time I put that resume in, people would call me. And when you then get called and asked about the jobs, you find that the jobs that, you know, when you were missing out, you're like, oh, but that would have been perfect for me. Oh, no, they don't understand. And then when you actually start getting called, you talk to the person about the job and it ended up being me saying, uh, thank you so much for your call. I'm sorry, I don't think this is the right fit. So we actually realized that all the jobs you missed out on, you probably weren't the right fit for it. You didn't want to work there anyway because when the, the, the table had turned and people were calling me, We'd have a conversation and then I'd realize that's not really what I want to do. <laughs> but I, I did find a job that I was able to do um, from home in between school hours, marketing, which I enjoyed. But I just kept eating in my head about what if I could help other people get noticed in the workplace as well. And so that's when I created story resumes in terms of infographics and illustrated resumes to get noticed for uh, getting a job. This is really amazing story. It's it's and you know we had an episode about resumes and the importance to write the right things, especially as expert partners. It's very difficult sometimes to um, fill out those blanks that we have, those gaps in terms of years of uh, non-active years, etc. We talked a lot about content, and I also like that you bring out the importance of the um, format and how it looks and the appearance of a resume. And look how many people called you just because your resume was attractive and and interesting to read and and didn't bore the the people who were reading it and in that way story resumes has really helped i'm sure a lot of people you're still doing that with story resumes yeah well that's that just sort of sits there and if uh, anybody wants one uh definitely action it but i didn't actually put a lot of money into marketing it um and then the problem with you know what kills a really good idea is another really good idea. So, <laughs> so, so that's still there. And if someone uh, wants a resume, I help uh, get it for them. But it, it's not my main focus. So I then tried some other things. And at the moment, uh, I'm doing the green socks thing, which is taking up all my time in between being a mum. So mm. that's my focus right now. How did it start with green socks? Yeah, I, I think as I mentioned before, I was just wanted to try and improve the home services that I was experiencing and I wasn't a fan of dealing with tradespeople because I always felt that they were ripping me off or I didn't know what I was talking about. It's not my area of expertise. So I just wished, imagine if you could just touch a few buttons and somebody could come and mow the lawn or fix the tap or do the pool for you rather than having to negotiate with everyone that came, oh, can you do it for this price or can you do it for this price or I'm going to do this and I really felt out of my league because I, I am not very um, knowledgeable about all of those things. So I just wish you could just touch some buttons and someone would do it and the price is already fixed. You don't have to haggle with anybody. So that's sort of where Green Socks started. Amazing, uh, amazing. And did you because did you have like a platform where you could learn how to start a startup, how to find funding? Because you've been funded, right? Um, we've got a small amount of funding as part of the accelerator program. Okay. That's right. Uh, what really helped me was 
getting involved in the local startup community and going to a startup weekend. So startup weekend is a global uh, phenomenon, really. It started in Boulder, Colorado, and every weekend around the world, there are always dozens of startup weekends where you can go. I think they have like 220,000 plus people every year who participate in a startup weekend and it's just awesome. You show up on Friday night, you listen to other people's business ideas, everyone has 60 seconds to pitch or you pitch your idea, then they vote on the best ideas and then the best ideas uh, are worked on for the entire weekend and you join a team working on whatever idea you like. But what they do on that weekend is they teach you about lean startup principles in terms of starting a business for as little money as possible and going to ask the customer for feedback first. And it was such a really good weekend and lesson. I met so many good people and then after that I just kept going to events and meeting people and learning about the whole lean startup philosophy. Wow. Well, so it's Startup Weekends and Nomad Nation, I think that will be great to check because I think, yeah, there there are nearly every major countries. These yeah, weekends. that's right. They really, really teach you about how you can start an idea, including when you're an expert overseas at a really, really low budget. And the key thing really is just get the most basic concept or idea and go and talk to strangers and get feedback. Ask them questions like, what do you think of this idea and wait for them to answer without leading them, would you pay for it and how much would you pay for it? And if you go and ask strangers all of these three questions, you'll really get an idea whether you have a good idea or not, right? Because yeah. a stranger is going to tell you the truth. Friends and family are just going to say, yeah, that's so good. Why don't you do that? But just getting the courage to go and ask strangers at the shopping center was a really, really good lesson from Startup Weekend. That's a great tip. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Andrea. <laughs> and Well, I would like to talk now about your experience abroad. We, it's an amazing entrepreneurial journey, and I think I could spend hours talking to you about this and getting more about your experience as an entrepreneur. But I also want to know how, how you combine this experience as an entrepreneur with with your experience abroad and living abroad. So um, how was it for you adapting to these different countries that were so different from your own culture, like Indonesia, Mexico, Malaysia, so different? Um Did you have some, uh, was there any major culture shock that you experienced, for instance? I think there's always a level of culture shock. But if you're a really positive person, I think you just find the best parts about where you're living and really focus on those. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. But is there like one thing that was particularly difficult for you? Speaking Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn Spanish? By the time? Of course, of course. Wow. I had to learn Spanish, but uh, I didn't realize how integral it was to day-to-day -day life until I showed up. Amazing. Do you think that you would have became this entrepreneur today if you didn't go into this journey of being an expat partner? I don't think so because uh, I was, at the time, in a good job, uh, paid well and you know, going up the ladder quite quickly. So I would have probably stayed in that role because it was safe and it was secure and I could see my, my savings going in the bank every week and my travel fund was growing all the time. Whereas when you're an expat partner, when you don't have that, like I know it is a difficult ride sometimes, don't get me wrong. Uh, I was I had really difficult patches too, but 
you have this freedom to start again or start something else or pursue things you never would have pursued if you'd been in a safe job that you didn't want to leave. So whilst there's really tough times, there's some real positives too. So just try and focus on the positives and I think they get you through the tough days. Definitely. Andrea, you're a perfect example of my motto, which is turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. And, and you did it. <laughs> <laughs> and many, many more women before me, like truly. I'm definitely... Yeah. No one's special. There are so many amazing women I met on my journey. And when I was running expatwomen.com, every single month we would interview an expat woman abroad who had started a business abroad. And some of my favorite stories I hope might inspire as well. So uh, Toma Haynes, uh, she's an American and she's lived in a few countries in Europe and she started the Antique Steva. And it's a really, really um, awesome idea that she's had success with in terms of taking people for tours of like antique uh, markets and things. And now she's got people doing tours in different cities. And I know another, there was a British lady I interviewed once who uh, loved these little Fiat cars. And she bought like half a dozen little Fiat's and painted them all different colors. And it was in an Italian city. I can't remember where, but I know that she ran these little tours. So she would like the, the six cars would like go out together every day on a tour and you'd have like the, the tape recorder inside playing the commentary, but you'd go as, you know, as a group. And then you'd stop for coffee or lunch or whatever as a group. So it became kind of cool because she said every time they'd go down the streets, people would be waving because it was so cool seeing little <laughs> colored fields. And it was just such a cool idea. And, and look, so many women, we don't have them on, on the site's not there anymore to see, but we just had this treasure chest of awesome stories of women starting their businesses abroad. And we had a, a one category for women who were running companies that were turning over $1 million or more. And they had another category for women who were really just starting in the first couple of years. And it was so inspiring listening to these women when you would interview them. Definitely. I agree with you so much. And this is how actually the whole idea of Tandem Nomad started is when I realized how many amazing women are out there that should have the spotlight on them because they can inspire us all of us to do the same and, and grow with our own personality and path and ideas but at least we know it's possible and there's so many I love the diversity of solutions there is out there to create a path and, and success for ourselves Absolutely Is there one advice that you would have for Nomad Nation uh, in order to you know, be able to build a portable business while moving from a country to another? Because it comes with some challenges also not having a, a stable you know, company in one country. Is there any tip you have in that respect? Uh, we had a bit of uh, trouble working out how to do our legals in terms of where the company was based. And I've talked to a lot of expat partners over the years who run businesses in terms of how they did it. And I think probably one tip that I would have for that is if you are going abroad and you're not sure what you're going to do, I would recommend starting a business entity in your home country just in case you need it when you go overseas because every country is different with the rules and the businesses women were running were different. Some of them were just sitting at home running a business. Some of them were out on the street being very public and so there's sort of different expectations I suppose as to what where the company needed to be set up but the women that did set up a company structure before they went overseas and then could use that whenever they were doing their business uh, they seem to suggest that that would 
was much better than the women that I spoke to that were struggling to go through local legal systems to set up companies. So I'm not saying which is right or wrong, whichever country you go to, but there did seem to be a strong trend to set the company up before you left just in case. And I wish I had done that uh, before I left. Definitely. I agree with you. Thank you for bringing that up. And I think especially in terms of taxes also, et cetera. um, But even if we don't know that, because usually we don't know that we're going to do that. I know that every most of the expat partners I interviewed on Tandem Nomads didn't know that they're going to start their business when they left. And I think you didn't either. (laughs) Well, that was a great tip about where to set up the company. And what about in terms of adaptability and living abroad? What was the major advantage of having the life you had? I think just opening your eyes in terms of uh, what's possible. I think when you sit at home and you watch things on TV, it all seems so far away and difficult to achieve. But when you're Travel, it's the same with travel as your listeners would know. Once you travel and you realize that, you know, somebody on the other side of the world thinks like you do and behaves like you do, it, 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 there's not such a great distance between, between us all. And then the same with business. You know, once you go to different places and you realize, well, that person started that business and they're just like me, you know, there's nothing special about them, you realize that you can do that too. And I think people in the expat circles are very open about meeting each other and helping each other. And I think it's a great supportive community to start something. Definitely. I really agree with you. I think it makes us closer somehow. We're a bit of a, this is what we call, I call it a nomad nation, is that once we experience this life, it doesn't really matter where we are from. We have a connection. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely think that's one of the assets that you get when you've lived abroad. Yeah, that's a very good point. So are you ready now to go through the spinning round? Sure. What are your plans for the coming two years? <laughs> Grow my company, Green Socks, yeah. uh, whilst uh, still keeping my family intact. <laughs> <laughs> how is it? Is it um, how do you manage to build the balance, actually? That's a very good thing that you brought up here between being an entrepreneur, which must take a lot of time, and managing a family. I don't think it's easy for anyone, but I think my biggest tip in that area would be to not beat yourself up when you don't get that high wire balancing act of work and family exactly perfect yeah and was there a internet resource you're an expert now of all the things that there is on internet is there one internet resource that you find particularly you know useful for this nomadic life besides skype you know and social media is there one online tool that you find really useful I use so many different online tools, but there's a there's one that I've just discovered that I really quite like. Um, Pocket. It's called Pocket. So when you're reading something, but or you you go to a website but you don't have time to read it, you can just put it in the pocket. And I know there are other sites that do that as well. I've tried some of the others, but I just don't like them as much as I like Pocket. So okay. I know one thing I did years ago was email myself every time I found something interesting to read and my emails got so out of control because I never found time to read things <laughs> that they clogged up my inbox and made it mentally overwhelming. And I remember one year I actually just took a really big decision and I deleted the whole years before was emails and <laughs> thousands of emails just disappeared and you know what? I never missed them. I never looked for them. I realized that I didn't need them. So so now, like, rather than emailing myself if there's something to read, I'll put it in the pocket. 
And then if I have a bit of time, I'll look in and see what's interesting. And if I don't have time or I look in and it's not so interesting, maybe it wasn't that important after all. Like I didn't need to interrupt my day to read it. So I'm glad that I put it in the pocket rather than stop to read it. That's really great. I'm going to check out. I definitely know that feeling of getting overwhelmed. I have, there's so much content out there that we want to yes. read and, and sometimes it's just too much. <laughs> yes. So I'll definitely check out Pocket. And is it like Evernote or something like that? I've not actually used Evernote, yeah, okay. um, but I know there's I know there's multiple companies that do that kind of a system where you can save it for later. I just like the interface with Pocket. Yeah, that's very good. I'll check it out. Thank you for that tip. And is there a book you would recommend for Tandem Nomads? Yeah, I find it h- hard to narrow down just to one book. Well, we no, put you a can, book out. You there can you give go. more than one. <laughs> <laughs> we put a book out, uh, Expat Women Confessions. Oh. So that was based on the, the confessions column that we ran on the website. So it's 50 real-life um, questions and answers, you know, to what women were writing in about at the time. So I wrote that book with Victoria Hepworth, who volunteered to write it when the site was running and she's a trained psychologist she's currently living in Dubai and she's lived in multiple countries but there's a definite book for the reading list if you have here we go (laughs) expert (laughs) woman and you forgot to tell me about it (laughs) yeah I forgot all about that so Um, that book you created when did you put it together that book launched just a couple months before I left um, Life as an Expat. So that would be 2009. Okay. Okay. So it's Expat Woman. No, 2000, 2011. Yeah, 2011. 2011. But it, it's still totally relevant because it's nothing that would date. It's just questions and answers about living abroad and things women would write to us about. Like it's amazing some of the things they would write into us about, uh, but they wouldn't you could tell they hadn't really talked to their friends or family about it because they didn't know who else to ask without looking like they were dropping the ball. And um, really when you, when, you, when you see so many emails that have a similar thing, you realize that we're all so scared of the dropping the ball. We don't always share what's really going on. So that was a really, I think, useful channel at the time for women to say, hey, this is going on. Can you give me some advice? So, yeah, if, if that's of interest, yes, there's a book about it. Definitely. Well, I'm definitely going to check it. Expert Women Confessions. And I like the title. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, great. So if Nomad Nation wants to reach you, what's the best way to find you? Yeah, uh, well, I'm on Twitter, so my handle is Andrea Expat, A-N-D-R-E-A-E-X-P-A-T. That's probably the best way to reach me. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, But if you reach out to me on LinkedIn, please can you write me like a message because uh, I find when you get all these random LinkedIn requests, you don't know who they are, I I just leave them. I don't don't know the people and they've never written to me, but I would be more than happy to help anybody that – tweets me or writes me a message on LinkedIn. That's very nice. And I would like Nomad Nation to also check out your website, um, both your websites of the resumes. Yay. And Yay. Could, you, could you please give us your your links to your two websites right now? Yeah, sure. So Green Socks is probably not very relevant uh, if you don't want your law mode in Australia mm-hmm. right now. But on, but what we do have on Green Socks, and that's G-R-E-E-N-S-O-C-K-S.com.au, one of the blogs I run on there is a startup journey blog. So it talks about uh, our experience like week by week in the accelerator program, the people they brought in to talk to us, what we learned from these people, uh, what else we've been doing and learning from mistakes we've made or things we've done right. So if 
starting a startup is interesting to you, uh, jump on the site and check out the blog because we try and be as open and honest about everything that we're learning in that. This is so interesting. And, and the story resumes is just S-T-O-R-Y-R-E-S-U-M-E-S, storyresumes.com. Okay, so if you're interested in your help to to get a very attractive uh, resume that gets people to call us all the time, we'll go to storyresumes.com. Thank you. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much, Andrea. I'm so happy you came on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me, Emil. If you enjoyed this episode and find it useful to you, don't hesitate to share it, leave your comment and review. To comment, go to tandemnomads.com, go to the page of this episode and leave your comment at the end of this page. And please do not hesitate to leave a review for me. That would be very, very appreciated. You just need to go to the page of this episode. Underneath the play bar, there is a button that says leave a review. Thank you. Thank you.